General Nerdery. General Nerdery, podcast in disguise. General Nerdery, that last line made no sense. We're definitely not in disguise. We have on hats. <laughs> you guys can't even see us, and we're not in disguise. I should have gone with a podcast about liking podcasts, but liking things. But I don't know, I just, it was right there. See, I was thinking about going with Ba Weep Grana Weep Ninny Bomb. Oh, see, that would have been better. That would have been better. I had to write all that out. There was no way I was going to remember the <laughs> fucking CC universal that greeting. One. Uh, anyways, welcome to General Nerdery. We're your generals of nerdery. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. This is your podcast about liking things. In case you haven't noticed, this week we will be talking about really my love-hate relationship with Transformers and specifically... The Transformers, the movie. Which is the perfect name for a movie. <laughs> it doesn't get any better, really. But before that, and all of that 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 entails, what have you been ingesting this week? Uh, this week's a just giant continuation of what I've been doing anyway. A little bit more Witcher, not as much as usual, but a little bit more. And a shit ton more Tony Hawk. I got the Alien Skater unlocked. I got all my stat points from my guy. Um, I finished both one and two. I um, haven't worked, started working on unlocking Officer Dick yet, but I have started doing some I of the speed runs. Officer Dick. Yeah. I, I am probably going to get him soon just so I can, like, fuck around as being Jack Black, but... Uh, Wait, Jack Black does him now? Yeah. Oh, my God. But I did start doing, like, some of the speed runs and, like, actually targeting some of the challenges to unlock certain boards and shit, so... Um, yeah, and the new season started on For Honor, so I actually started playing that a little bit again. Oh, did they finally fix the... You told me they had really broken some of the... It was... Um, yeah, so the character that was OP, they definitely tuned down. Seems to be fine. It doesn't... Her feats definitely don't seem too overpowered anymore. They're still, they're still pretty strong, especially because some of the other feats... Also got tuned down that maybe didn't necessarily need it, so it still kind of stands out, but not... Still real powerful, but not, not broken even close powerful. to what it yeah. was. Yeah, not even close to what it was. And then with the, the update that I had mentioned before, they've made some gradual changes to it that have made things feel a little better. There's still some weird things about it in some places where I think some of the damage should be higher and stuff, but they did purposely tune down the... Ch the damage a little bit so that fights would last longer so you actually get an opportunity to start reading your opponent rather mm. than like i wasn't paying attention and an axe got me in the head out of <laughs> nowhere which i also kind of like but yeah no i mean that's accurate yeah <laughs> <laughs> see what have i been ingesting uh for the most part it's been monster factory like a bunch of stuff they've done before I started watching uh, the McElroy YouTube channel or show, uh, The Monster Factory, which is where they take video games where you can create your own character, mm. create the most broken, warped, fucked up character, and it gets real disturbing and just figures out what they can, like, how creepy they can make it and then play the game for a little while with this monster. 
that they've developed. Mm -hmm. uh, if, I mean, we've mentioned the McElroy several times on this podcast. If you like the Adventure Zone or My Brother, My Brother and Me or any of the other hundred things they do, apparently two of them founded Polygon, which I was not aware of. Oh, shit. Okay. Um, then you will like Monster Factory. Like, it's stupidly funny. It's also really stupid. <laughs> like, but that's okay. Because mm -hmm. I'm going into it watching, like, let's see people fuck up video games. Uh, yeah. They got annoyed at the Skyrim one because they couldn't get it as broken as they wanted it to go. So they just started spawning dragons using cheat codes. <laughs> uh, stuff like that. They're like, oh, this isn't ridiculous enough. Let's put in 30 dragons. Yes. Um, With the Macho Man mod? I didn't have that one, but they should. Uh, and then Have you seen that mod? I've not seen that one. I have seen the... Mud crabs with fancy hats. Oh, okay. Yeah, the Macho Man, it turns all the dragons, like, it gives all of their faces Macho Man Randy Savage, and they're all just flying around. Oh, yeah! Brother. <laughs> no, that's not Macho Man. Um, Snap to a Slim Jim. Jesus Christ. Bone saws ready. Oh, my God. Oh, bone saw. <laughs> oh, I forgot that was Macho Man Randy Savage. Um, and then the other one is a other YouTube show, because apparently I've gotten really into YouTube, called Puppet History, mm. which is based as a game show, although one person that's on every episode always loses. And it's going through telling interesting history facts. There's one on, like, Hotship Suit, who was a female pharaoh. There's another on... Um, uh, Sir Isaac Newton's rival, who was a coin forger. Oh, There's shit. another okay. on like a failed assassination attempt on Lincoln. Hmm. And it's his puppet running this like quiz show on it and just being kind of goofy and fun. It's good. I haven't watched, I've only watched like two episodes so far. I'm glad you mentioned the YouTube stuff because that's actually the other thing I was ingesting. I don't know how I forgot this because if I if all I was doing was Tony Hawk's and Witcher Three all weekend, my and For Honor, my fingers would be bloody right now. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if I've mentioned this before, but when I get bored and have nothing else to do, I watch a lot of reaction videos on YouTube, and I did that for maybe like eight hours straight the other day. Jesus Christ. Okay, man. maybe not eight hours, but <laughs> yeah, maybe pretty close to Get eight hours. Get a hobby. My like fucking, this stuff. I, I ended up having to uh, stay home from work because my back was all fucked up Friday, and I, I didn't yeah. didn't have anything better to do than sit <laughs> so around. Like, and, all right. <laughs> and once my fingers started hurting and, like, cramping up from Tony Hawk's, it was like, all right, you two. Yes, I'm going to do other stuff now. So there was a lot, lot of watching people, like, listen to Metallica for the first time, or Tool the first time, or Slipknot the first time. I've never gotten that into reaction videos, but they're an in there's something fascinating about the very concept of them to me. I I mean, it's kind of like when you show one of your friends something for the first time, except I don't have to, I have to actually have, like, any of my friends, friends free. Yeah, you also don't have to, like, pretend you're not creepy staring at them, because that stresses me out when people are like, you need to watch this thing, and then they're just, like, looking at you the whole time. Yeah, no, the whole point is that I'm looking at them, and they can't see me anyway, because it's a pre-recorded video, so... <laughs> Um, I don't know. I fucking, I really dig reaction videos. When I was, I didn't watch any this weekend, but I like super, super dig, um, like rap diss track reaction videos. 
I can see it. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that that also went like a huge chunk of my time this weekend. So nice. I had to throw that up. That I was like, where where did the rest of my time what go? What have I been doing? What did I do? Now I remember that. Okay. Um, should we get into the news? Let's do some news. Uh, all right. Before we started, we watched two trailers to start off. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just last night? Yeah, last night during the Emmys, they dropped the first WandaVision trailer. This one is interesting because, I, as I said, I still haven't seen Infinity War or Endgame. Right. Because uh, I, I keep am, forgetting that. You yes, need to everyone forget. I know. <laughs> this actually does more to make me want to watch those than just about anything else because it's brave. Mm-hmm. This looked fucking weird. Oh, it looks so weird. And good weird. Yes. Disney Marvel movies, I mean, they've been good. I've enjoyed them, like, uh, pretty much to the movie. I've enjoyed every one of them I've watched. But they can, as has been discussed, they can be very formulaic. This is not going to be a formulaic Marvel movie. No. I mean, one is a TV show, but it's also, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like... Yeah, if if you haven't seen the trailer, it has Wanda, aka the Scarlet Witch, and Vision, seemingly trapped in in sitcoms, like old school sitcoms. Which, first off, I know you haven't seen them, but I'm sure you know how, because Vision's dead. And yeah, it's mentioned in the trailer. Uh, Catherine Hans, like, how are you here? There's a very kind of disassembled House of M feel to this, of Scarlet Witch's reality warping powers creating something. Mm -hmm. What makes me happy about this is that it it looks like for once they're not doing the Scarlet Witch dirty. She has not been well-treated in the movies of her that I've seen. Not because the actress Elizabeth Olsen? Uh, Yes. uh, Was in any way bad, but partly because they couldn't reference the mutant thing Mm -hmm. they just didn't really know what to do with her so she had kind of ill-defined which is actually a classic scarlet witch move kind of ill-defined powers that she mostly could use to make explosions and not much personality growth other than she wanted to mack on a robot yeah i mean when that robot's vision when the yeah i mean the vision or paul bettany either one like you're not terribly out of line there but this really is gearing up her power up to a higher level again, which I appreciate. Is, do you feel like there's any chance that her powers end up introducing mutants to the Marvel Universe? I think that this would be a good way to intro it if you wanted to go Almost that like Reverse route. House of M? Yes, which I actually kind of like better, because I don't like House of M at all, which is disappointing because it's got a great creative team. I mean, Brian Bendis is a solid writer, and I can't think of that artist's name off the top of my... Oliver Copiel. Mm. I have no idea if I'm pronouncing that last name correctly. Copiel is... I'm not sure, but... Gorgeous. His work is in-fucking-credible. But House of M is unreadable. (laughs) So... Give it a shot. Disassembled is only okay, too, which is David Finch instead of Copiel, but Bendis still. So I think that you're there's a lot of things you could do 
with the concepts of the story that it looks like they're kind of might be able to lean into a little more. And uh, they're mixing it with Pleasantville, which is something that I never would have expected to see. I was going to say it feels like perfect. Um, like I love Lucy slash Dick Van Dyke. Vibes. Exactly though. But like someone mm-hmm. finding their way into that world or whatever. I mean, it's a, it's not straight up Pleasantville, but it's definitely mm-hmm. the bizarreness of it. Uh, the, the neighbors, um, I didn't recognize him, but as you pointed out, uh, the one was Kitty from that 70s show. Which I don't know if that's stunt casting because she's from a very famous sitcom, but it's perfect and they, I love her. Uh, they 100% reminded me of Rob's co-workers from Dick Van Dyke. See, I've never watched much Dick Van Dyke. Oh, so so good. So good. Anyway. I didn't have TV as a little kid, and you watched a lot of like oh, old, I wa- yeah, I watched a lot old, old sitcoms TV. and stuff. So I had like PBS and mm. Whose Line Is It Anyways? Yeah, I I love Lucy and Dick Van Dyke were like almost nightly on at my place. So I mean, that's pretty great. Love them both. Uh, cool. Uh, Mandalorian season two trailer. Oh, we're so happy about this. <laughs> I don't really have that much more to add beyond that, man. Like, it's, I mean, not, uh, not much actually happens in the trailer. The biggest, which is good. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is it shows off that it seems like we're going to a lot of different places this season. Uh, more places. I think the budget is bigger. Or at least the scale they're going for is bigger. Because it's not like the budget was ever small on Mando. Mm-hmm. But we're not spending nearly as much time on Scarif. Uh, they, didn't sh- they didn't show... Any Giancarlo Esposito? That's the moth. moth? No, I don't think so. They did show a couple of TIE fighters that had similar, like, closing of the wings like his did when landing. Which I don't know if that's just the norm for TIEs now. Although no other TIE is shown doing that. We see momentary bits of Gina Carrero and Carl Weathers. We see what's interesting to me is I'm pretty sure we're going to revisit a lot of old locations from the uh, original trilogy in this one. Because that ice planet might be Hoth. And it looked like there was the crashed remains of a snowspeeder behind it that mm-hmm. super easily make it Hoth. Uh, there is, it looked at one point like he was flying through Bespin. Like on the way to Cloud City when the X-Wings are chasing him. Oh, okay. They're, uh, when they first show him, like going over this gas giant planet, I was like, what fucking planet is that? I recognize it. And it's either Endor going onto the forest moon, or it is going around one of the planets of Yavin to get to Yavin 4. Mm, mm-hmm. So I'm thinking he is, you know, they heard the rumors of Luke Skywalker being a Jedi. And, and all he knows is he has to bring the child to the Jedi. Uh-huh. And so he is tracking down rumors. And if there's rumors that the rebellion had a Jedi. Then go to those big places. Going to those places. It would make sense. I mean, those are all the big places that people can confirm that Luke was at. Especially if it's not super clear where Luke is. Because he's probably. I don't know if he has started his academy yet at this point in the timeline. Right. Because this is nine ABY. Ish. Yeah. With roughly 10 years after the first movie, which makes it what? Roughly 20 years before Force Awakens. Mm-hmm. 
I don't think he'd have started his academy yet. He's probably off in the wind at this point, not really a member of the New Republic forces or anything like that, uh, looking I, up Jedi shit. So I was about to say, I think some of this has been covered in the comics and he's looking for older Jedi shit, but... Even in the uh, expanded universe and the old stuff around this time, that's a lot of what he was doing. Mm -hmm. He hadn't really taken on students until about 10 years after Return of the Jedi. This is about five years, I think. I have not looked at that expanded universe era in a long time. So, mm -hmm. But either way, it is unlikely that he's just like, here's my Praxium. Here's my Academy. It's on this planet. So... Rumor is the Rebellion, who probably doesn't want to talk about it that much, had this Jedi. Yeah. I'm excited to see where it goes. We're going to be getting it soon enough because... Drops October 30th. Yeah. We really have just over a month to wait. As promised, we'll have another Mando episode for you, uh, dropping that week, actually. We talk actually about the first season as a whole. It's amazing. We actually planned out like two months of episodes, which we have never done before. <laughs> the better thing was we started to plan and then realized that wait, we completely wait, wait, forgot. Shit, 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 shit. <laughs> uh, all right. That's coming up to go. I mean, to keep on with like, I guess the, the Disney plus side of things, uh, Tatiana Maslany has been announced as our she Hulk. I don't know her from anything. I saw a picture of her. She looks fine as Jennifer Walters. I kind of would have liked I, I would have liked someone who actually could look like she could become She-Hulk. I don't know. I, I don't know if, how CGI I want She-Hulk to be. Right. But I really like She-Hulk, so I'm down. Uh, yeah. Tatiana Maslany was the star of Orphan Black. I never watched any more than, like, the first three episodes. Uh, I liked what I saw. I just didn't have any more time for more shows at the time. And then I haven't went back to get caught up on it. Her acting's incredible, just from clips that I've seen of Orphan Black. The whole point is she plays a bunch of clones that all have their own personalities. So, so that she has show... to play, like, six different roles. Mm -hmm. Great. That actually might be perfect for someone to play She-Hulk Jennifer Walters, because they're the same person, but they're not at the same time. Like, She-Hulk's not nearly as feral as Hulk most of the time. Mm-hmm. But she is much more, like, outgoing and flirtatious and, like, confident in herself so having someone who could play both roles i think is important i think they're in the process of locking down a director for at least the pilot and probably overseeing probably ending up in some producing role as well so they can oversee the series a little bit i i don't know if it's in place yet, and I forgot to write down her name, but they do have Jessica Gao writing on She-Hulk. Uh, Jessica Gao won an Emmy for comedy writing on Rick and Morty. So. Cool. That's exciting. Yeah. I, she did the Pickle Rick episode, so, yeah. I've never seen that episode. Uh, I know people fucking love it. Yeah. There's a stupid amount of hype around that episode, so I can't actually say whether it lives up to the hype or not, because I've n almost never seen a singular episode of anything get so much hype. But yeah, it's I've really, really fucking good. Pickle Rick, but that's not, like, the episode's fault. That's... Yeah. yeah, but it is a really, really fucking good episode of TV, so. Uh, the big thing from today, uh, Microsoft bought 
Zenimax Media Group, which is the big parent company of Bethesda and all of their game works. So uh, the latest Doom, Fallout, uh, fucking Elder Scrolls. It's interesting because I was reading about this because it's not often I get to be like, I know something about a video game. Bethesda had made deals of being initial exclusive with Sony on its next couple of games. Mm. Not permanent exclusive, not like this will only come out for the PS5, but it will come out for the PS5 for like four months and then it will come out for other stuff. And people are like, is that still happening? Or like, is it going to happen through those deals and then will it become an Xbox exclusive or Xbox NPC? Who knows what's going down? It's a fucking coup if they manage to get the next Elder Scrolls as Xbox exclusive. Well, I, I hate gonna... it. I hate that idea, but... I don't know if... I think... See, here what I think is going to happen is Microsoft has already been more willing for, like, cross-play mm -hmm. than Sony's been. Uh, Microsoft and Nintendo both have been like, yeah, let's fucking cross-play. Let's give the people what they want and shit. And Sony's been kind of the shitty one. And Sony is still the one that kind of has more exclusive titles than anyone else, from what I think. Other from what than I Nintendo, realize. but Nintendo's got kind of their, like... Nintendo's got their own thing going on. Though. Yeah, it's their staple of... I that's the thing. I think the other companies don't care about Nintendo's exclusives, whereas everyone cares about, like, Sony exclusives. Because it's like God of War, which there's no reason for God of War to be PlayStation exclusive. Well, and it's not Sony making those games themselves, is it? Well, Nintendo, it's like their own people right. making it. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I kind of, I don't know if it's going to come to it, but I think this is Microsoft is going to use some of this leverage to start flexing nuts and be like, let's start going cross-play. Or you guys no longer have access to Fallout. You guys no longer have access to Doom. You guys no longer have access to Elder Scrolls. And look, there's a whole new generation of consoles that Skyrim still has to come out on. So <laughs> it's fucking true, which is so sad. I mean, I know they're eventually they, they talked about they're finally developing the next Elder Scrolls. Mm -hmm. I don't remember where it is. I don't remember. I haven't played an Elder Scrolls in years. I played the shit out of Skyrim, though, so more power to it. Yeah. I mean, that's that's a huge threat alone to be like, yeah, Elder Scrolls going forward is going to be Microsoft, ex Microsoft exclusive. What do you guys think about that, Sony? Nintendo's like, and then no, go, this is one of the only ones we can play. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if it actually comes to that, but I think it's going to be Microsoft more flexing nuts to make Sony do mo open more things up. Yeah. That makes sense. Uh, also, seven and a half billion. That is so much money. Seven and a half billion. And unfortunately, the people who do all of the work on those games are not going to get much of it. Harley Quinn has been renewed for season oh, three thank officially. Fucking Christ. Okay. That came along with the news that DC Universe is ending, as was kind of the writing on the wall. Uh huh. It's going to be turning into a subscription comic service in January. Uh, which is DC Universe Infinite. Uh, the it's going to have a. It seems like the pricing is going to be better than the Marvel Unlimited, with almost as many comics from the get go, and then more comics to come. So, do you just have? I don't actually have either of these, and I should. It's dumb that I don't with the amount of comic books that I read. Mm -hmm. 
do you have to pay for each individual comic or do you just pay a monthly fee and then you get whatever comics are? I just pay a monthly fee and I can go browse their library just like online streaming with Netflix and read what I want. I need to give I need to give up the goat and get one of those again. Um, and it's going to include, there are going to be uh, digital only comics made for the service starting, I think, next June. DC had talked about they were going to start doing more digital-only comics. I don't like it. But it makes sense. And really, as long as they end up coming out on collected editions, I don't really care. I and only care because it's going to hurt local comic book companies, but at the same time... Or not companies, like stores. But at the same time, as I've talked about, this industry is dying and needs change. It's going to be most of DC's back catalog, 25,000 comics, and then new comics six months after newsstand. Damn. That is so many comic books. I know Marvel Unlimited already has that, and it's not remarkable. But I think Marvel Unlimited's at 27,000 for their library, but they're not making digital only just for that platform. Mm -hmm. And they're also like $3 more a month. I mean, either way, they both seem pretty affordable from what mm -hmm. I remember. And if you already have DC Universe, they're extending their offer so you can bundle up your HBO Max. Um, because all of the all of the stuff that was showing on DC Universe is, is going to be moving HBO up Max. HBO yeah. Max. Uh, it makes sense. DC Universe was always a weird idea to try. Like, cool, brave, give it a shot. But it's so... Uh, you can get too specific a genre like of streaming service yeah like just dc movies that's uh that is asking a lot it was kind of sweet there was a lot of little things certain on certain months they would highlight different tv shows and comics and if you read those you would earn points and you could turn the points in towards like t-shirts and posters and stuff and like um, I love the idea. I just, it was a weird idea. I think, yeah, it was kind of a little gem. I think the people that used it really like, I really fucking enjoy that service. I'm sad that it's turning into comics only because there was super neat things. Like I just watched this episode of doom patrol. So it's going to recommend these two doom patrol comics. That is super cool that I can then just, you know, pop up on my fucking TV screen and read right there. That'd be great if HBO Max still did that or something like mm -hmm. that. Like, that'd be... Unfortunately, I'm kind of getting screwed by all this happening because one of the things with DCU turning into DCU Infinite is you're not going to be able to, at least at first, use it on an Amazon Fire tablet anymore, which is what I've been using it primarily on. And HBO Max still hasn't officially worked out a deal with Roku yet, which is what I stream my shit on. Oh, so you're going to lose both your accesses to this. However, just earlier today, it was announcing that they might be coming to a deal finally with Roku. But oh, so they're trying. They are trying, um, but it's not there yet. I got two cancellations. Mm -hmm. You brought one to my attention. Mm -hmm. We're not getting any more Dark Crystal on Netflix. That surprises me. It was clearly designed to have more. It also doesn't surprise me because it was clearly expensive. And doing puppetry has to be so difficult in an era of COVID. Agreed. Super expensive, delayed COVID. Like those, 
that's just the that's the death knell of things that were less popular than Dark Crystal and less expensive. Uh, there's not much information on all that yet, but the information that is out sounds like the Hansons do still want to finish telling this story, so it looks like they might be going forward in, I don't know, comic books maybe? Comic books, they could shop it around to a different streaming service, they could... Honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if we find another season on Disney Plus because Henson mm. is owned by Disney. That's true. That's true. And this one's actually a couple weeks late, but considering how often we would get their seasons, I think it's fitting. Venture Brothers got canceled. I did hear about that. They seven were hoping... seasons in 17 years. Really? It's I mean, I guess it is that old, yeah. Um uh, they were hoping for another season, I want to say, but... I think they had already started writing it. It's another thing where it their their cancellation announcement was kind of like, we had at least one more season planned, so we're still going to see if we can't find somewhere to Do it. put that out at. Maybe Amazon, maybe HBO. I don't know who is their parent companies and what would be easiest because of that, but... Um, I know it was... I can't think of the creator's name. I know he's nicknamed Doc because he's been on a couple of podcasts that I listen to. He's funny, weird, interesting guy. Like I've, I've never gotten super deep into the Venture Brothers, but I always liked it because I grew up watching Johnny Quest. Mm -hmm. Yeah, same here. And so <laughs> they, like Venture Brothers is like, oh my God, this is so... It clearly loves Johnny Quest while clearly openly mocking it. And that is something that I can get into didn't realize 17 seasons over 17 years. I mean, it does make seven seasons, seven, seven seasons. Sorry. That's what I meant to say. Yeah. Uh, so it was only putting out an episode roughly every two years or so. That's gotta be weird for the people that made it, that that's been like what they've done for years yeah. now. Sad to see it go though. Hopefully we do get that season eight somehow. I need to get caught up. I never watched season seven yet. I watched up. I've watched up through season five. I think I still have to watch six and seven. It's the problem when you're only releasing seasons sporadically. It's really easy to lose track of it and mm -hmm. be like, "Oh shit!" I stopped watching up five years ago. And it just gets really dense too. Part of the reason that show took so long to put out because they make sure it all works internally and all the timelines and shit match up and there's a much stronger sense of consistency to it than i'm used to from fucking adult swim tv shows mm -hmm. and then one last thing i have a lot written down here but hopefully it's actually not going to be that much to go through yeah, you have like sparse notes sparse notes sparse note the entire half of the second half of the page but the emmys did happen this weekend and some of these shows that we talk about a lot and that we mentioned had a lot of Emmy nominations. I just wanted to be able to bring up what they actually took home. Like Dark Crystal. Oh, I missed that. They did take one home, didn't they? They took a uh, best children's show or something like that. And then they canceled it the next day. Uh, Picard got best makeup. Yeah, their special effects are solid. Or not, their, their prosthetics are solid. I've brought up Big Mouth enough times that I wanted to bring up that uh, uh, Maya Rudolph got uh, best voiceover for an animated series or something like that. I, I didn't write down that full thing. Mm -hmm. There was two big genre winners and then one other one that I wanted to bring up because I've brought up the show a number of times and it's a pretty historic night for comedy in general. Um, Mandalorian and Watchmen mostly got 
well, Mandalorian especially mostly got um, effects awards, creative awards, but it did get uh, outstanding sound editing, outstanding sound mixing for a comedy, outstanding production design for a half hour narrative, best or outstanding cinematography for a half hour single camera, outstanding visual effects for episode two, The Child. Uh, it won best music composition. Uh, from our uh, Ludwig Göransson won best music composition for a comedy for the finale, uh-huh. and they also won best stunt coordination. Watchmen netted some of the big awards. They fucking took it home, if I remember. They had a ton of nominations, but a lot of them everyone kind of knew they weren't going to get. But they got best casting. Best sound editing in a limited series, cinematography in a limited series, uh, single camera, picture editing for a limited series, sound mixing for a limited series, music composition uh, for a limited series, which actually makes Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross only a Tony away from being EGOTs. Jesus, good for them. But then the big ones are Regina King got Best Lead Actress in a limited series. They got Best Writing for a Limited Series and Best Supporting Actor, uh, Yahya Abdul-Mateen II, as in Best uh, best Supporting Actor in a Limited Series. Good job, buds. Then the big, weird, historic, awesome thing. We haven't, we haven't covered it on the show, but we're probably going to have to at some point because of how often I keep bringing it up. Schitt's Creek had an historic comedy night. They swept all of the major comedy awards. They got Best Casting for a Comedy. Uh, Catherine O'Hara got Best Lead Actress in a Comedy. Eugene Levy got Best Lead Actor in a Comedy. Dan Levy got Best Writing in a Comedy. Uh, They got the Best Directing for the Finale. Uh, Best Supporting Actor for Daniel Levy, Best Supporting Actress for Annie Murphy, who plays Alexis, and Best Comedy Series. The most Emmys won by a single comedy ever in a single Emmy. Good job, boys and girls. Um, I don't know if there's... uh, Good job, everyone. I'm not sure if anybody else on the cast would identify as anything other than boys and girls. I'm just going to go with everyone. But it is a very inclusive show, though, so... I've been trying to drop boys and girls, and I but I use it for fucking everything. So relearning brain patterns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But to the point of this, sweet, awesome. Um, like I said, most most wins by a comedy ever in a single year. So, um, and it deserves it for that last season. the The show grows, mm-hmm. and if they're going to get it for anything that last season, it's. I'm just so happy for them all, too. I fucking love all those actors and actresses. So that's all I got. Awesome. Well, in that case, let's take a quick break, and then we'll jump into Transformers! I'm going to do that a lot. I'm sorry. Ba weep grana weep ninny bong. Perfect. Yes. Excellent. (laughs) Had to do it somewhere. So... Watched this movie last night, admittedly at like, you know, eight o'clock last night. Oh, shit. We're recording that episode tomorrow. (laughs) I haven't watched this movie in like 10 years. Uh, And so Cece and I watched it and she has, I mean, she's aware that the Transformers were a thing and that they involved robots. That was it. That is the entirety of her knowledge. And I think the most fun part of this was explaining the Transformers to her. Because it is the weirdest 
like I love Star Wars and Star Trek and all sorts of science fiction franchises in and out of continuity and like the behind the scenes Transformers is the weirdest fucking franchise. Should we start with that? Like the history of the I have the early history pretty streamlined down. Yeah, let's do that. And then let's talk about our experience with the franchise. All right. So Transformers uh, started in Japan. But the way it works is Hasbro licensed G.I. Joe to this company, Takara, or a person, Takara? No, it's a company. Is it a company? In Japan. The company is like, how are we going to market this? Yeah, G.I. Joe is a weird uh, market for Japan. Yeah, yeah, especially as soon as like the 60s and 70s still. They're like, ah, G.I. Joe... Let's not let's not put him out as G.I. Joe. We're just going to use the figure. They tried making him a superhero at first, but apparently all the superhero costumes didn't like fit well on the G.I. Joe frame and just looked really funny. And this is like old school, the G.I. Joe before the cartoon and all the characters, just the like... This is the 12 inches... Military action mm-hmm. figure. I had one as a kid, and I think I was like the last generation to really get that... So the other thing that was huge in, in Japanese toys at the time was robots. Mm-hmm. So they used a clear plastic mold, put metallic-looking insides into him, and called him the Henshin Cyborg. Henshin is transforming. Well, that sounds amazing. Henshin Cyborg basically birthed two sister toy lines. Uh, one was Microman, which was then... Uh, released as like micro knots over here. Okay, I know a little bit about it, mostly because uh, Rom Space Knight. Mm-hmm. But and Diaclone. Eventually, Micro Man gave rise to another line called Micro Change, because like both Micro Man and Diaclone, at first it was just robots that would turn into spaceships mm-hmm. and then turn back into robots. And that was cool, except robots like those don't exist, and spaceships like that don't exist. And, like, the kids started getting a little bit bored with it being super fantastical. And the thing that revived their toy sales was making it something grounded in reality. This looks like a car that you might just see driving down the street. Now it's a robot. Mm -hmm. So then Hasbro was looking to diversify its toy line, went and checked out companies in Japan, told Takara that they wanted to develop the the Microchange and Diaclone lines. Well, it told a lot of different companies they want to develop their products. Yeah. Most of the other companies are like, oh, you want to license and sell our products? Okay, that's fine. Takara was like, oh, you want to like turn this into... like, Because all it was was like, this is cassette robot. This is gun robot. Like... Yeah, there's no depth to Diacom. Hasbro's like, no, we want to build it. And they're like, okay. So after Hasbro had originally licensed G.I. Joe back, they then eventually bought back the licensing for Diaclone and Microman, or the Micronauts and Microchange, <laughs> started to develop it. How they started to develop it was by going to Marvel. Talk to Jim Shooter. There's a lot of things I don't like about Jim Shooter. There's a lot of things I do like about Jim Shooter as well. Jim Shooter came up with a lot of the ideas. He was, uh, what, editor-in-chief? He was editor-in-chief at the time. 
So he wasn't doing a lot of like super writing himself, being editor in chief. But he had just written Secret War. Um, Secret Wars. Mm-hmm. Secret War is different. So he went to actually give it to his writers. Gave it to Denny O'Neill. Denny O'Neill came up with some ideas that they kept, but a lot of it was way too bland for what Jim Shooter liked about it. It was very just super black and white, good cop, bad cop. Mm -hmm. So then Shooter was like, well, fuck it. I have ideas because I'm loving these toys. And like they are giving me a shit ton of ideas. So he started laying out uh, basically the, the Bible for the series. Um, and the whole like Cybertron's running out of resources. And so that's why both of these factions came to earth to try to find shit. And then they got frozen and then they get woke up by a volcano and now they're fighting again, except now on earth. Yeah. And then, but that's all he came up with and brought the rest to Bob Budiansky. And he's the guy that came up with all the names and stories for almost all the characters. Uh, Optimus Prime was actually a Denny O'Neill name. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Megatron was a Jim Shooter name, but most of the that others tracks on both of those characters actually. But I think most of the others came from Bob Budiansky, and he also wrote on the comic series. And I know you're going to get into a little bit more in the comics. You you know a little bit more on that side, right? Yeah, uh, all of my research <laughs> was pretty much on Simon Furman, mm. who ended up writing the comic book and has written Transformers off and on ever since. He has done more writing for Transformers than literally anyone else. But we will I can get to him a little later. Uh, and I think it was actually... I think Budiansky was the one that was writing all the little blurbs that you would actually get on the back of the packaging. Yeah. For, what was it, like 26 uh, robots in the first generation and like 120 in the second. I and have no idea on that. But they... They just spit those things out, so... And I know, like, he's the one that came up with, like, the name Grimlock, and... Yeah. Grimlock was the saving factor of this movie. And then right when they're about to go to market, in case anybody was curious, GoBots beat them. The Kmart Transformers beat them out? I didn't know that. By six months. Uh, GoBots was a product of Bondi working with Tonka. (laughs) And they had the initial edge, because I think theirs were designed to, like, if theirs was like, it's a radio and it turns into this, it would actually at least somewhat work as a radio. At least, I think, the initial lines. Yeah. After that, I think it got super flimsy, and that's why it went, like, super downhill. And the transforming was like, anyone could do it. All you do is pull those shits apart and, like... Well, and... They're transformed. Transformers, part of the reason why they worked is because they... They went the Star Wars route and they had this entire franchise to go with the toys as opposed to GoBots, I think, had a comic at one point, but I don't think they ever had a cartoon of their own. I've seen parts of a cartoon, but their cartoons seem to be aimed more to like a five to eight age range rather than like a seven to ten. And I think it might have come out later. I don't think it like came out with the initial line. You were watching a little bit of the toys that made us when we came in here, and they deal with the Transformers really heavily. Um, Yeah, it's episode two of the second season. I highly recommend going and checking it out if you want a more in-depth than what I just said. I gave you the very basics of the same story that they tell, but yeah. Transformers is kind of the everything I hate about 80s cartoons, but also things I love about 80s cartoons. Because it is. It is nothing but a toy commercial. 
but so were a lot of the cartoons I watched as a kid. But this was the one that I don't know if it was the first, but it might have been the most successful of that kind of genre of we're making a toy cartoon. Yeah, I feel the tra- um, the Transformers for me. I feel like growing up, we were like this movie came out in what eighty six. Eighty six. It predates me by two years. It was the Transformers in that time period were such a big thing that I think even in my childhood, we were coming down off of that bubble. Mm-hmm. Like it was the sort of thing I knew about just from like uh, cultural osmosis. I didn't watch much of the old Transformers cartoon. I've watched this movie a few times. Probably didn't see it till I was like eight or nine though for the first time. Um, then I didn't watch it again till high school. Then once again, like early college. Yeah, it's a once every 10 years kind yeah. of movie, which is accurate to this. Having mm. watched this movie, uh, my experience with Transformers is really heavily into Beast Wars mm-hmm. because that came out in like 1996-ish and I would have been eight to 10 years old. Like I was right in the target range. The toys were everywhere. The toys were fucking sweet. Uh, and it was a little more up my alley. The The toys were a little stronger. The cartoon was an early attempt at CGI. And some of it is absolute garbage. And some of it holds up really well today, over mm-hmm. 20 years later. Uh, but, you know, to me, it's Optimus Prime all over Optimus Prime. Although I like both of them. So going back to older Transformers... I didn't have much of a connection until much later because I was like, yeah, I've got Optimus Primal. He transforms into an ape and that's amazing. And it would be like the older cool kid being like, "Ugh, no, he should be a truck. Like, Shut the fuck up. But, you know, like the seven year old equivalent of that. Mm-hmm. I remember. So at least with like the people I knew and stuff, I didn't I didn't know too many people that actually watched Beast Wars. But everyone thought Transformers were cool. Like, Transformers were one of the cool toys to have. Transformers, Lego, uh, Dunkin' Yo-Yos. This is what I love about the age difference of, like, two years. Because mm-hmm. it just tweaks it. Just Because Beast Wars, I mean, not all of my friends were into Beast Wars, but Beast Wars was cool. Beast Wars was there. See, and that's that's the thing, though. Like, the Beast Wars toys both looked cooler than normal Transformers, because who the fuck gives a shit about a semi-truck, and were still Transformers. So, like, every like all of my people knew the old Transformers, mm-hmm. but would play with the Beast Wars toys. Oh, yeah. Like, my my favorite Transformers... I had the, the Cheetah. Cheetor. Yeah. That's still one of my favorite toys that I've ever had. I've still got Rat Trap lying around somewhere, the the transmittal one. The the toys got way better when they were like, let's not try to make them look like realistic animals, mm-hmm. but they can be kind of robot animals, and suddenly the range of what they could do was so good. I'm trying to remember which one my little brother had. Was there a bat? Uh, there were a couple different bats, but yes. I think he might have had one of the bats. I had one called Noctaro, who was a... God, I am just so excited about this. I don't... I didn't expect this part. Um, that was... They had this this run in the Beast Wars thing called Fusors, which was, let's mix two animals together. Kind of Griffin style. And it was a bat and a bull. Oh, oh and it was yeah. fucking sweet. There I remember was, seeing the Fusors. Fusors. There was also Silverbolt, who was in the cartoon, who was an eagle and a wolf. 
and my, Quick Strike, who was a uh, he was a scorpion with a cobra head on his tail. Oh, I oh, was think cool. I think my brother had Night Scream. Ooh, okay, that would have been from I think Beast Machines, which was their attempt to like revamp the line, and it wasn't very good. But I'm not positive on that. It looks kind of familiar when I'm looking at the the pictures here, but that also literally just might be because I looked at it for hours on a fucking in a toy store because oh, I used yeah. to just salivate. There over are several all the of them. Oh, I wanted them like, so badly. Yeah. What's bizarre about the Transformers? Because, I mean, as I said, there have been so many cartoons that were toy commercials. Some that were good, some that were bad. But none have reached the scale, not even G.I. Joe, which has been going for as long, or He-Man, which has been going as long. None have reached the scale of what Transformers has done. And this movie kind of encapsulates that in a weird way. They did not need to put the time and the effort and the weird amount of work into this movie, into getting this cast, that they did. But they did. Uh, they didn't need to make comics that ran for fucking ten years, mostly under one writer, Simon Furman in a lot of cases, that goes deep into, like, the legendary origin stories involving Primus and the uh, uh, 10 original Primes. They didn't need to go into the complicated politics of Cybertron and how Megatron actually kind of had a point in some of his stuff, even though in the cartoon he's just overtly villainous. Like, the show has grown and evolved and owned the fact that it's a weird, stupid cartoon as the basis of its property in ways that I've not seen anything else right. go. I mean, Beast Wars had an episode where Dinobot, the guy who's evil one episode, good the next, fucking sacrifices his life to save the caveman that will one day become the human race while quoting Shakespeare. <laughs> it is the most perfect episode of a cartoon ever made. That's amazing. Maybe I should give Beast Wars more of a chance. Oh, the first season is kind of garbage, but the like second and third season are pretty solid. We could. I'm legit looking like I'll there's... watch some Beast Wars for this show. Like, I will, if you want to do a Beast Wars episode, it's my man. Well, I'm I'm also just kind of <laughs> looking that like on eBay, there's a lot of like 1997 Beast Wars toys for like 60 bucks right now. Yeah, no, I've looked into that. I literally will still have dreams where I find Beast Wars toys in like old used stores or whatever, because they were, I, they were the toys I wanted as a kid. I wanted star Wars toys and I wanted beast wars. I'm also still really trying to figure out which one Tyrone had, but I think I'm, I think I'm going to come out up short on that. But to the point of this movie. All right. You mentioned the cast already once this movie's watching alone just for the, what the fuck? How the fuck did they get these people? On the Detective Pikachu episode, we talked about how this movie didn't deserve this cast that put their all into it, but they did it for us anyways. The cast of, De of Tra The Transformers, the movie, puts the cast of Detective Pikachu to shame, and that was a great cast. All right, so full disclosure, the week that we did uh, Detective Pikachu, we had also talked about doing Transformers. And early in the day on Sunday, I had nothing to do that day. 
and I couldn't remember which one, so I started with Transformers and made the basis for my notes that day. <laughs> and then I remembered it was Detective Pikachu, and I just watched that with dinner and made my notes for that then. <laughs> and then the next day when we started in on the... I was like, oh, yeah, and fucking we got a guest and like this is going to be great we're going to have so much fun talking about detective pikachu and then you started off by saying this movie doesn't deserve <laughs> this cast and i suddenly almost had a cold sweat just like, you're like wait shit are we on transformers <laughs> i'm gonna just get out this out there because you're about to read it off but orson wells plays unicron this is orson wells's final movie orson wells being one of the most important people in radio and movie history. I find the fact that this is his final movie profoundly depressing. His first film is Citizen Kane, which is still considered to be one of the fi the finest film ever made. I have an issue with people that say that, but I understand it's still being one of the finest oh, films ever made. Oh, get going on, get Yui going on that one sometime. They have opinions. But I mean, he was uh, the voice of the shadow originally, or the announcer for the shadow mm -hmm. originally. He was, uh, War of the Worlds was him, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, War of the Worlds was him. This is the guy. And, and this is his last role. On, uh, I was reading about this. Uh, he... There have been kind of mixed responses to his opinions, because originally he was really excited. He read the script, thought it was kind of fun, uh, and enjoyed animated movies. Mm -hmm. But he also talked to his biographer and sounded really disgusting, disgusted with the movie that he had done. And I think he recorded most of his stuff in pretty close to like a day. Uh, this was also the final film for Scatman Crothers. Who does he play in this? Uh, Scatman Crothers in this is Jazz. Oh, okay. Uh, Scatman, uh, probably better known for being like Louis the Garbage Man on Chico and the Man. He was a musician. And probably the most famous role is he's Doc Holleran in The Shining. Mm. Wells died about a year before this movie came out, but he had already been and I, done I, his lines. I had forgot to say he's also Hong Kong Fooey. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then Scatman Crothers died, I think, a few months after this mm -hmm. movie came out. But hit us with this cast, because it's insane. All right, so first off, we have Peter Cullen as Optimus Prime. Peter Cullen is Optimus Prime. Yes. He's played Optimus forever. Uh, since 1997, he's also been Eeyore on Winnie the Pooh. Oh, good for him. In pretty much everything. He's classic voice actor. Uh, and Monterey Jack in Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah. And other things like but Cullen's like big, his... but he's Optimus Prime. Like, yeah. Kind of like Kevin Conroy is Batman. Well, like, in um, in the Michael Bay, what was that, 2007 Transformers movie? Mm -hmm. They were like, pick your voice, or like, we will bring one of the original cast back, and he won by a just obscene, obscene number. And he's like, I thought it was going to be Frank Welker. And then like... <laughs> No, like, everyone knew it was going to be him. Uh, Hot Rod slash Rodimus Prime. God damn it, Rodimus We'll get to that. Prime. We'll get to that. Is Judd Nelson, who's probably still, still best known for The Breakfast Club. Oh, he's absolutely best known for The Breakfast Club. He made his money doing a few of those movies, and then he, ever since, it's mostly just been what's been fun for him. I've always liked him as the sheriff in Jan Saw Bob Strike Back, but, you know. 
I always forget that that's him. Ultra Magnus is Robert Stack. Who is Robert Stack? I Robert Stack is the Unsolved Mysteries guy. Oh my god. Oh my god. Yeah. Holy, that's amazing. That's all I need to say is he's the Unsolved Mysteries I mean, guy. He's matters. done other things, but... No one cares. I think he won an Emmy for something. It sure, doesn't matter. Whatever, he was the Unsolved Mysteries guy. That's my childhood right there. Springer? Do you remember that they tried to do, or did you ever know that they tried to do a Rambo cartoon? No. They tried to do a Rambo cartoon. It they went like what? it went like sixty-five episodes, dude. Are you fucking kidding? No, I'm not kidding. Uh, Rambo: The Force of Freedom. Uh, we need to do an episode on that. Um. Yeah, it's a 1986 series. Anyway, oh, that sounds awful. Springer was voiced by uh, Neil Ross who was the voice of Rambo on that. Okay. I don't even remember which one Springer is. That's okay. There are so many goddamn Transformers in this goddamn movie. But here's the funnier thing is that in the 1994, yeah, Spider-Man the Animated Series, Uh huh. he's Norman Osborn. Okay. And in Mortal Kombat Defenders of the Realm that I brought up <laughs> in oof, our Mortal Kombat oof, episode, oof, oof. he's Shang Tsung. Springer was Shang Tsung. Okay. RC is Susan Blue. Uh, honestly, her probably biggest thing is RC. She's she's done a shit ton of voice work, but it's mostly additional voices. Um, like she's in everything under the sun, but it's and a lot of these we don't necessarily need to go in depth on on who they are because a lot of them are voice actors. Usually pretty good ones, but voice actors. Right. Cup, getting Lionel Stander. That's impressive. That's impressive. I haven't like he's a he's an actor that goes back into the 30s as well. He was doing movies um, with like uh, like uh, Bob Hope and Frank Capra, uh, Gary Cooper, Janet Gaynor. He did all sorts of actually like really legit stuff back in the 30s that I haven't watched because they're back in the 30s. Mm-hmm. But like he's a get. Like that's yeah. that's that, good. Again, every time they list a new person, pretty much. Uh, you already mentioned Frank Welker. Plays Megatron. Plays Meg. <laughs> plays Megatron. The um, I don't think he does it in this movie, but he's done Soundwave a number. Oh no, he does Soundwave. He does Frenzy. He does Rumble. Um, and he does Wheelie. Does he take? Galvatron back over in the later series, do you know? Or did they... Possibly, but I'm not sure. All right. Uh, oh, I should point out Neil Ross also did Bone Crusher and Hook. Welker has done fucking everything in the world. He does a lot of things that you wouldn't necessarily recognize as voices. Because he's the type of guy that does a lot of animal noises, too. Ah, so he's like the guy that does Appa all the time now, or... Yeah. Uh, but Frank Welker filmography is its own Wikipedia page. One of those ones, yep. Yeah. He's done everything. So he was <laughs> he did the voiceover for the Capuchin Monkey in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Huh. I didn't realize there was a voiceover for the Capuchin Monkey in Raiders of the Lost Ark. But I want that job. He's Spock Screams in Star Trek Three: The Search for Spock. <laughs> like Frank Welker has done everything. <laughs> God. What a weird fucking credit. 
Uh, Blur was John Mashita Jr., which is crazy, and I couldn't believe it when I reheard him again. He was at one point the Guinness World Record holder for World's Fastest Talker. Oh, perfect. And he used to okay. get a lot of television appearances just based on that back in the day. So they didn't just speed him up for that. They just let oh, him no, go. Oh, no, that's, yeah, they just let him go. Oh, that's cool. And he was also extremely famous, actually, for doing a, a long line of uh, Micro Machines commercials. Oh. And he also did, like, JetBlue. He's, I've seen him in a ton of commercials. Minute Rice, JetBlue, uh, Post Serials, uh Pretty much every major network has used him because he used to be the world's fastest talker. So Blaster was done by Buster Jones, which I just I wanted to bring him up because he was also Black Vulcan in Super Friends. Awesome. Which is and he ended up being Winston Zedmore in the real Ghostbusters cartoon after Arsenio Hall left that role. Mm. Uh, Perceptor is the guy that eventually would go on to be the narrator for Diablo 2. Paul Eiding. He's also like Zeus and got in the first God of War. And voice actors. Voice actors as yeah. far as the eye can see. Grimlock is Greg Berger, who you might remember as being the Gromble in All Real Monsters. <laughs> I just don't really get a chance ever to bring up All Real Monsters or anymore. the Grumble. Oh, uh, man. He was also Craven the Hunter in Spider-Man animated series. Uh, Grimlock, as I said, might have saved this movie. I've always had a weakness for the Dinobots. Uh, and he was jacked in Final Fantasy X. E, Grimlock. R really? Yeah. Okay, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that was uh, cool. But... In my opinion, my favorite of the Final Fantasies. Ten. Yeah. Interesting. I love Ten. I'm all about nine, but I do have a soft spot in my heart for Ten. Uh, Cliff Jumper was Casey Kasem. He's the the American Top Forty guy. Did Casey's Top Forty for years, and was the voice of the first voice of Shaggy in Scooby Doo. Braun uh, is voiced by Corey Burton, who's a little bit interesting because lately he's been the guy doing the voice for like Count Dooku and Cad Bane whenever they show up in Star Wars games. Nice. I've heard Corey Burton's name at least, like. Uh, Galvatron. Yes! Is Leonard Nimoy. Spock! This is... He really, like... <laughs> How did it take me so long to get... To, it's because there's every fucking Transformer in the world on this. God so I damn. have to look yeah, through like these Yeah, like, you names. started listening, I'm like, oh, man, I did not realize we were going that deep into it. Uh, he is great. Again, he puts in way more thought and energy than I really thought ever was going to happen. Hmm. Cyclonus was voiced by Roger C. Carmel, who I just want to bring up because he did the voice for uh, Smokey the Bear. In Only you can prevent <laughs> the fall of the Decepticons. Goddamn God Rekgar. Eric Idle. They got a fucking python in this, dude. Oh my god. That was the other one that I was waiting to come up. Like, he's part of Monty Python. Yeah. He's brave, Sir Robin. How, yeah. How do you... Oh, we know how. Because if you offer a British actor American-level money, they will sign up for most anything. It is not hard. And, yeah, fuck it. There's, I mean, there's other people that have done a lot of voice work in this, too, but... We those have already listed that... more characters than I remember, and I watched this less than 24 hours ago. I, I've watched this twice in the past 24 hours, oh, and I'm I can't... Sorry. In three times in the past month. 
I'm sorry. And I can't remember who half of those Transformers are. I grew up knowing those Transformers. I can't remember who half of those Transformers are. So while discussing this movie, we're not really going to worry too much about spoilers, because again, it came out in 1986, but we're not going to go too heavy into the plot, because the plot is largely non-existent. Like, I made fun of Pokemon for having no plot, but Jesus Christ. This might be the perfect movie for, like, a five-year-old with ADD. Oh, yeah, they would love it. Cece was laughing, calling it the most perfect 30-minute movie ever made, even though it's 90 minutes long. Because when we first started, I was just in... I was, like, almost bouncing up and down on the couch. Like, I'm not saying this movie's good, but I am saying it's perfect. And by the end of the movie, I kind of hated it. I kind of just check out in the middle a little bit. I like the first, like, battle for Earth up until, like, (laughs) a time-lapse battle. Yeah. And then I also really like... I do really like the end from like the uh, some probably about like the quintessence on. And I can't really tell you what happens in between. It doesn't really matter. Um, I do say this movie was revolutionary in people were not ready for it. No one was really ready for what was going to go down here. This movie came out. It was made concurrently with season two, if I remember. Mm hmm. And it got a budget of $6 million, which is non-existent today, but was huge back then, especially for, again, a giant toy commercial. It was... Now, that first wave of toys hit huge. Mm -hmm. So people knew what this was already. But it was basically the budget of, like, a season of the TV show in one 90-minute movie. Yeah, 84 minutes. 84 minutes. That was really that short. It felt like it was four hours long. Um, as I said, I really enjoyed the first half hour. I was really done with this movie by the end of it. But they had decided that they were going to kill off, like, executives decided they were going to kill off all of the original Transformers. They have 120 robots in the second line. So they, they were going to bring in all 20. of them. And it's a ballsy move to be like, all right, here's two seasons of this wildly successful toy line and uh, uh, TV show. And then for the movie, we're going to skip forward 20 years. Have our annoying kid now be an annoying adult who has an annoying kid's son and kill off everyone. We're going to kill off dad. Optimus Prime is going to die. And well, even before, like Ironhide gets murked real early, almost right out the gate. And beyond, like, Daddy Optimus Prime, like, Ironhide's a big character. Mm-hmm. People like Ironhide. I like Ironhide. Ironhide comes up in the comic I was reading yesterday. Like, it is... Uh, this was just ballsy. And some of the writers understood that it was going to be a big deal to kill Optimus Prime. The higher-ups at... To, not It wasn't Takara. Hasbro. The, Hasbro. Uh, didn't recognize that it was going to be such a... They were like, whatever, man, we're going to bring in the new stuff and it'll be cool. And they traumatized a generation of children. It's the best scene in the movie. Oh, absolutely. Probably the best acted. Mm -hmm. Peter Cullen kills it as Optimus Dime. And Judd Apatow? Not Judd Apatow. Judd Uh, Judd Nelson. Judd Nelson. Very different Judd. Uh, also, like, I mean, it's a very small thing, but you definitely saw his legs just like, oh, no, that is, ooh, God, I was trying so hard to help. 
Even honestly, Welker as Me- Megatron when he's first killing Prime is yeah. pretty good. I'm not a big fan of the Welker Megatron voice because I'm used to the Beast Wars one, which is much deeper and more mm-hmm. like Shakespearean as opposed opposed to the '80s kind of. Uh, not as bad as Starscream, but like that that like <laughs> '80s raspy, high pitched villain voice. Look, now that you've brought him up, like. Starscream. Starscream's the fucking worst, <laughs> but I've always had a weird like like for him. I don't I don't know why. I can't defend anything he does. Starscream is the worst. But people love him. Cuz he's such a craven little shit. Um he was I've mentioned it before Simon Furman who wrote the original generation 1 Marvel series has been given the Transformers line a couple of times and he had like 100 issues writing uh, most of the IDW company's Transformers line. And he at one point has it where Starscream ends up in charge of Cybertron with like, there's a piece between the Decepticons and the Autobots and like the main storyline is them trying to like keep that balance as opposed to just Decepticons bad guys. But Starscream's in charge of everything. So it's all the like lieutenants. Mm hmm including Optimus Prime trying to figure out how the fuck to deal with this little shit (laughs) being because like a prophecy declares him the chosen one to save Cybertron. And so of course, Starscream is going to take full advantage of that. And everyone else is like, fine, you fucking asshole. All right. So out the gate on this movie into the movie itself, it was kind of neat seeing like all really exquisitely well done hand-drawn animation. That's what I was going to make sure I brought up. The animation in this is gorgeous. It reminds me so much of heavy metal. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't think of that, but I can see it. Uh, because mm. they took... The style of 80s animation is not something I'm particularly against, but the budget makes it something not good most of the time. Agreed. This had the budget to let it be good. That doesn't sound like much, but it, it even just like the extra levels of shading, uh, it is so 80s. Anytime they're doing like when Megatron's updated to Galvatron and it's got the the green mm, yeah. lines in the classic like 80s, but it's well done 80s. From the get-go, Unicron looks killer. Unicron is gorgeous. Orson Welles, he doesn't have to do much. He just has to mostly be like threatening while speaking quietly. But he is menacing. I almost shit my pants laughing when the first credit to come up is Eric Idle. (laughs) (laughs) Who has almost nothing to do with this movie, but may have been the biggest name at the time. No, Judd Nelson was the biggest name at the time. Yeah, Judd Nelson. Trying to think where some of these other people would have been at in their careers at that point. Yeah, probably Judd Nelson. Which, I mean, which is why he's Hot Rod and Rodimus Prime. Nimoy was uh, not at the the highest point of his career, but by this point, Nimoy's done Star Trek, he's done Mission Impossible, he's in the process of doing the Star Trek movies... Like, this is... Nimoy had become a household name by this point and was still making the stuff that made him the household name that he is today. Mm Mm-hmm. This is like three years after Meaning of Life, so... Not quite middle of the Python's heyday, but he still would have been huge at the time. Yeah. This is years after Flying... Not that many years, though, after Flying Circus, because Flying Circus was, what, 70s? Yeah, something like that. 
So in, in case you didn't, in case you couldn't remember and couldn't recall, I actually took a picture of this. The another thing that that cracked me up from the get go, when when shit starts popping off on Earth, and uh, fucking hot rod is popping over to the base, and they start you know doing like shooting at the fucking ships up at the sky mm-hmm. and stuff. Did you catch that that base looked like a giant dick? I did not. Yeah, you're right. It sort of looks like a penis. Um, <laughs> lookout point or whatever it is. Yeah. Uh, oof. Oh, boy. This was fun because at first I was like, oh, classic 80s cartoon lasers. Nothing's going to hit. And then people start dying left and right once again, as mentioned. Although still, vast majority of them don't do like, shit. shit. Like, their aim is terrible. Um, well, I mean, okay, because that really starts off a battle that lasts, I don't know, like 15 minutes. It felt oh, it's like a it. solid. It's a long battle. This is, we meet RC around this. I can't remember if she was the first female Transformer or if Alita 1 was. Because Transformers, if we're going to talk your fave is problematic, Transformers had a hard time doing female Transformers because they felt the need... Of all things, when they're like, yeah, there are these uh, robots that turn into cars and they're fighting and why? I don't know. Energon. But we need to have detailed explanations why there are women Transformers. Later on, they eventually were like, because. And everyone's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, it looks like there was other female Autobots before her, but she was the first one anyone cared about. Okay, that's fair. Uh, I just remember it being like a big deal when they're like, we're putting real effort into a female Transformer. Yeah, I, I think the other ones are mostly like in the background or yeah, that sort of thing. We just need some chick-looking robots over uh-huh, there. Yeah, they all have to be pink. Oh my god. Uh, one of the things I didn't think that I would end up commenting on this because of how much more I liked it, but watching this reminded me how much, even with some of the things being super blocky, just because of the styles at the time. Yeah, I like. This transforming over the Michael Bay shit. I was reading about this. Part of it is you actually see what's happening a little bit on this one, as opposed to Michael Bay, which is like, they're transforming. It looks confusing. and We're going to do some screen shaking so you don't have to worry about it too much. And the way they move is exactly the way, like, physics don't apply very well in this world, and things move the exact way that kids would play with the toys. Oh, yeah, those that hot rod can, uh, he can sure drive over remarkably complicated terrain for a, like, sports car. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> remarkably complicated terrain. And just sort of, whoo, mm-hmm. whoop, it's fine. But it looks like if you removed the hand it looks like the same how it way. and it looked fine like yeah. i wasn't bothered by it again because i shut my brain off five minutes into this movie <laughs> which is smart yeah which is smart that battle dude that first battle there's missile ballista oh yeah it's it's crazy it's the best part of the movie there's arcing lasers that doesn't make any sense, but a lot of science fiction loves to do it. And at a certain point in the battle, it just zooms out of the base, and we get a time lapse to sometime in the morning. <laughs> bam, 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 bam. And it's just been a firefight all night that we all just haven't watched. For hours, yeah. And then we get, as we've already mentioned it here, 
the final battle between Optimus Prime and Megatron. Big quotes around that final. Yeah, yeah. The final battle. <laughs> it's the Let's... final battle of the original series, though. Like... That's true. Um, but as we also pointed out, like Marvel had a lot with to do with the writing of this, and his name is an Uncle Ben, so. <laughs> so he don't stay dead. God, it used to be the line, no one stays dead in comics, but Bucky, Jason Todd, and Uncle Ben, and then two of them came back to life. Like, well, what the fuck now? And it looked like Uncle Ben did at one point, too. <laughs> but I will say this for this scene when Welk, not Welker, when, when Peter Cullen comes back in the Michael Bay and he first starts talking. And then when he says the line, one shall stand, one shall fall in the Bay movie, I got chills because I remembered this movie. I was also significantly younger than I am today. But <laughs> I mean, we already mentioned that this, this scene was beautifully done. Well, and so here's the thing for me is that once, once Optimus is dead, first off that. I know that happens, and it shakes me every time I watch this movie. All bets are off at that point. Every time I watch this movie, I'm like, oh, yeah. What the fuck? They just killed off Optimus. It's only like 30 minutes into this. (laughs) (laughs) Every time. Um, But after that, like, when you don't, when you're not listening to Peter Cullen, Robert Stack's voice gets really distracting. Yeah. Because I'm just like, that's Unsolved Mysteries. (laughs) That's Unsolved Mysteries. That's Unsolved Mysteries talking to me right now. (laughs) Ultra Magnus I like. I've always actually had a soft spot for Ultra Magnus, but they don't do much with him here. Mm -hmm. He's much bigger later. What's interesting is this is the first time we see the Matrix of Leadership, which later becomes a huge part of the the canon. Uh, Having the spark and the Matrix in him for like, half an episode transforms Optimus Primal into Optimal Optimus and Beast Wars, which I brought it back to again. But um, I like the little bit of foreshadowing where when he's passing off the Matrix and it gets dropped, it's Hot Rod that catches it. Mm-hmm. And even Cece picked up on that, like, oh, he wasn't the one that was supposed to grab that. <laughs> um, the, the Matrix, I mean, just even the till all are one, we all join the Matrix kind of thing be, that is first mentioned here become major aspects of the plot because there's a weird spiritualism mm-hmm. to Transformers in later stuff. As I said, like they took this cartoon about selling toys about robots that turn into cars and turned it into a giant discussion on spiritualism and autonomy and politics, but not yet. Uh, shit. What else goes on? Like they meet the Dinobots. That's cool. And it's at this point that the movie sort of becomes a eighties rock ballad with a cool music video of robots fighting and then short moments of plot in between, followed by the next 80s power ballad rock music video with robots fighting, just on repeat until the final battle. So I'm, I'm trying to... Do I have this right with what's going on? So the Autobots were getting ready to try to take back Cybertron. Yes. And then sneak attack happens on Earth and they get fucked up. Mm-hmm. But then Unicron... Or, yeah, Unicron's... Up. They they turn the tide, push away the Decepticons, 
Megatron is left to die by the other Decepticons. He's found by Unicron, turned, turned into, into Galvatron. Galvatron. He gets Leonard Nimoy's voice. Uh, Galvatron is a much stronger, I just think, character design, too. I, I And agree. also, he's a gun that can... He becomes like a cannon as opposed to just a pistol. <laughs> as opposed to uh, Walther P-38. Which is not super useful because it's just Starscream holding him. Like, at that point, why not just use your regular fucking arm cannon? So him turning into a Walther P-38, though, is part of how the toys took off. Because there was controversy when they were put out because he's a decently act the toy yeah he's a decently accurate pistol i'm just again beast wars i'm all about him turning into a t-rex or a tank <laughs> later on makes more sense to me yeah uh i'm not a huge fan of the him turning into a gun version but it is important he gets a new army starscream gets a funny little i am king now scene like that was where he gets disintegrated immediately starscream gets his comeuppance he looked pretty dope in the crown and shit. I liked the crown. I wanted Galvatron to put on the crown, but Me instead too. he just crushes it. Just Me fine. too. Uh, I do have a question. How are those Decepticons playing a trumpet? I don't fucking know. I have more questions. Like This this movie is really more questions than answers on a fundamental level. The I, I guess I don't have a question. I just don't understand later on and i'm just gonna jump ahead because fuck this entire middle section of the movie it's, it's real boring it's all these weird disconnected they're technically connected but disconnected the, action the scenes. autobots get split into two groups they crash on different planets and they Whereas go through the, their chaos and unicron's moving on cybertron mm -hmm. which first it takes out the bases that the autobots had they do that real early on um, but then starts moving on Cybertron itself, which Galvatron and the Megatron within him is like, no, but then he gets put in his place a couple times. Mm -hmm. And Bumblebee is like the only of the original Transformers to survive, isn't he? I think so. Uh, maybe one or two others, but not many. Jesus. Anyways. But what I don't understand is when Cup and Hot Rod are on trial and they get dumped down with the shark bots, the driving through water. They just, drive through water and it creates a whirlpool. Well, that I actually kind of got. Cause once again, that reminded me of just the way that like a kid with would play with the toys, uh -huh. but just everything about like, I just got thrown in here as a robot. And now I'm first, I'm going to turn into a car to swim down to the bottom and try to figure out where I'm at. Then I hear my buddy screaming like a hundred yards away, even though this pit was only shown to be like 25 yards across anyway. Okay. Again, you just excuse something as this is how a kid would have played with it. And then you're coming up with this logic puzzle for me. So the way I'm going to get over there is I'm going to take two steps running, turn into a car underwater, drive along the bottom for 50 yards just to turn back into a robot again. <laughs> Look, man, the car's faster. <laughs> I don't know. Something about that sequence. I'm like, and this is where we get the Fast and Furious movies. Yeah, basically. Jesus Christ. Uh, what's interesting is the Contessians here later become huge parts of the lore. Also, compared to the rest of this movie, they are almost pure nightmare fuel. They are creepy as fuck. 
So cool. <laughs> uh, but creepy as shit. Well, the, oh, other thing I noticed. So Optimus takes like one shot to the chest and dies. Just fucking kicks it. Coop gets completely dismembered like four times. And they're like, eh, whatever. Just put him back together. Just He'll be fine. Back together. <laughs> just slop some fucking glue on that. And just, we're good to go. Just click it back in. We all know the joints are fucking garbage on Transformers toys. There's a lot of, like you said, the middle of this movie in through the end for a good portion of it even is just a lot of disconnected music videos. But the best of those music videos has to be, has to start with Eric Idle riding forth into battle uh, with Weird Al's Dare to be Stupid starting to blare in the background. Yeah, (laughs) that is... I had, for, I had forgot that it was one of Weird Al's songs that was the thing. I thought Weird Al voice acted in this somewhere, oh. so I kept waiting for him, and that came up, and I'm like, God damn it. Um, no, I, I've i always known this movie as the Dare to be Stupid movie, because it was, it was my love for Weird Al where I found this movie in the first place. We were talking about this, because I read a few reviews of this movie, and they talked about the god-awful music, but as soon as that like 80s rock guitar started, CeCe was just into it because there that's one of the fun of 80s cartoons is the like 80s this soundtrack has three baller songs you got the touch by stan bush originally was, oh, done for cobra yeah it sliced was. alone movie um i uh i already mentioned dare to be stupid is amazing it's how i found this movie in the first place this is the dare to be stupid movie for me plus just back to that scene for a second. I also love Retgar's just character model, like how he looks. Kind of a robot Genghis Khan kind yeah. of thing going down. Um, and then I super get down on Instruments of Destruction by NRG, which is the song that Ironhide gets murked to. Oh, yeah. And let's be honest, the Transformers theme song... Oh, is always great. ...is baller. Yeah. This is another one where the soundtrack was probably more important than anything else because they just went, oh, let's play cool, which is also a very heavy metal thing if you think about it. Mm. Let's play some cool music and then have weird, cool animated shit going down. Unfortunately, with the pacing, it makes it so I just... It really felt like it should have been like three or four episodes of a TV show. There's even kind of fade-outs that are like... Commercial breaks? Yeah. Yeah. that made it difficult to watch this. I laughed at, did you catch when they said shit? Oh yeah. Both of us were like, Daniel. Oh shit. What are we going to do now? (laughs) Whew. You're getting away with this here. Uh, the only, I mean, from the end, I do like the action in the whole end sequence, but, like the fight between Hot Rod and Galvatron is solid. Is like, Unicron just turning giant and bitch slapping the shit out of Cybertron is killer. Awesome. I do have to say, Unicron's size varied so wildly, so much <laughs> because, like, when he first transforms, he basically just tackle hugs the planet. Like he's huge. He's, he's Galactus. Of, he's bigger. When he first appears, he's like the size of North America. Yeah. And then later on, he becomes like Galactus size. And then he becomes somewhere bigger than Galactus, but somewhere smaller. Like, he, there's like a 300% size difference, but always big is the point. But he, uh, And then just from that last bit, though, the last thing I love in the movie is just that 
his line delivery on the, the for a time I considered sparing your wretched little planet, a Cybertron, but now you shall witness its dismemberment. Dismemberment is such a weird <laughs> choice, but it's good. Again, it's good. It's so good. I don't know. I could rewatch that last battle a hundred times and not care a moment for anything that actually happens in it. It's just so pretty. Yes. The animation is, is brilliant. This is a movie. As I said, I watch it about every 10 years just for the fun of it. But it's one of those that if YouTube was like, do you want to watch this clip from the movie? I'd be like, I do. You want to watch the whole movie? I do not. Um, I don't give a single fuck about Rodimus Prime. No, no one did. That was the problem. One, his name is the biggest dick joke of... (laughs) (laughs) It's so good. All right. He has been transformed by the matrix of leadership, and he looks a little different, but not that much. And he now, you can tell he's a boss because he has a semi-sports car. Not a semi-truck, a semi-sports car. I hate that so much. I hate it so much. Why, Rodimus Prime? Why? Also, the change from getting the Matrix of Leadership seems like it should be something way more major. It should have been way bigger. And I remember it being bigger than it is. And then I watch it in the movie and I'm like, God, that was like four seconds long. Megatron being changed to Galvatron feels like a much bigger thing. Oh, it was so much bigger. So much more impressive. Which is part of the problem. Like, <laughs> your your hero becoming who he's supposed to be should be the That's bigger King moment. Arthur pulling the sword out of the stone moment. Although, if you ever actually read that story, he does it on accident while wandering off. So, that's not that. But it's mm-hmm. uh, any of those, you know, Thor picking up his hammer and becoming Thor again moment. And instead, it's... I missed it? I think like I wasn't paying that much attention and I'm like, Oh wait, shit. He's Rodimus now. Yeah. You know, I don't know if I'm going to wait another 10 years to watch this again. I do enjoy it. I mean, it might be five years. I'm being really mean. Cause as I said, I was re- I had a splitting headache last night while watching it. So that's partly like why I'm so fuck this noise. I just, uh, like I said, I do think it's, like, there's a certain age range that this is the perfect movie for. Oh, yeah. Because it changes and something else is happening before the kid's attention span changes. When I was 10, I would have ate this shit up. If I, mean, I have a kid, they're going to get super into this movie, I bet you. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of perfect for that. CC will be really mad at me for that. <laughs> it's kind of perfect for kids. It's... If you want to check out, like, old school Transformers, there's way this worse. This is where way- I recommend you go. Yeah. For the fucking cast alone. Yeah. For the, the the good scenes, it's worth it. Watching the actual original Transformers cartoon is kind of mm, painful. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm being generous there. Uh, a lot of my friends are like, oh, no, original Transformers is better. I'm like, Did, have you watched it in the last 20 years? They're like, nope. Then you keep having that happy memory. Yeah, if this feels like a commercial, then go to the thing that was playing on TV every week. So what happens next with Transformers Beyond this movie? We'll do a quick run over that. Not going to go too far into it. Partly because, again, I don't know this franchise nearly as well. Uh, I have fallen into deep dives of the Wikipedia because I'm like, wait, they did what now? Uh 
the series went on for another season before being canceled. It was never really forgiven for Optimus dying off. It got another, as it shouldn't be. As it shouldn't be. It got another two spin-offs in Japan, so basically it got up to five seasons. Diminishing returns in both cases. The comic book was losing value, so Simon Furman, who I mentioned before, was given permission to launch Transformers Generation 2. In 1994, that's why this era is known as Generation 1. It was their way of separating the two of them. Gen 2 started dive more into the early Transformers. It never really got finished. Was there a Gen 2 cartoon? No, it was just the comic as far as I'm aware. I don't think there was another American Transformers cartoon until Beast Wars, which initially takes place in the future... But then they're thrown back into the past thanks to time travel shenanigans. So it's the sequel prequel with the Maximals and Predacons. Um, And then at that point, they kind of left the original behind. They adapted a different series that wasn't originally part of the franchise called Car Robots into, I think it was Car Robots, into Transformers Robots in Disguise, where he was or where Optimus Prime was a fire truck instead of a semi. Okay. It was an interesting design. It was it was a Japanese anime that got translated and put into a different franchise. Mm. Um, and then they went through uh, a couple different generations. This is where the kind of Transformers multiverse really started launching. And people get really, really into it at this point. There's a huge convention that happens every year. It is at this point that I can no longer pretend to explain it. It's around not too much later than this that the Michael Bay movies start coming out. And he picked it because he's like, Transformers, I'll do cool cars and explosions and no one will care. And then they announced he was doing it and he went, oh, my God. Everybody cares. Oh, they care. Oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. And uh, his movies are wildly divisive within the Transformers community, as is everything, from what I can tell. That Michael Bay ever does? No, I just mean everything <laughs> within the Transformers community is wildly divisive. Oh. Yeah, Beast I Wars is either the most hated or the most loved part of the franchise. There's no in-between. But they have, like, a bot hall of fame. They have... It's... Look into the Transformers... Fan base is almost more interesting to me than any of the actual like products mm. that come out. Uh, I do want to see Bumblebee. I never saw it, but I heard that it was. I heard it was fun. It was fun, and it was a little because it's not Michael Bay, right? So it was kind of a nice balance between the Bay Farmers and the like cartoon. I will say that the Bay movies in my opinion, seem to reignite a lot of interest in especially like the original lineup. It definitely brought back a lot more. It brought Peter Cullen back to being Optimus because he hadn't done it since the original series. Mm-hmm. And he was like, no one's going to care. Everyone cared, as we mentioned. It, Yeah, it really brought us back to this era, which I always thought was a bummer because, again, Beast Wars. But cool. Optimus Prime is sweet. I I was working retail, like big box retail around the time when the bulk of those movies were released. Mm -hmm. Uh, At least the like second and third ones. Okay. And from the toy section, what was selling was like original run type stuff. 
which was kind of neat. Yeah, the the bay designs are not strong. They're not terrible, but they're I mean just like anything related to those characters rather than ones oh, yes. okay. from other time periods. That is cool. Like I mean Optimus Prime is Optimus fucking Prime. Um I doubt I've watched the original Transformers movies since like Transformers 2 or 3 came out and I never saw 2 and I never finished 3. And I think there was a four and five that I never watched. There's a bunch of them. Yeah. I have a, I, I liked the first one. I was also 19 or so at the time when it came out. So I, it's probably garbage. Uh, I remember the first one being fine. I remember. I almost, in- I almost think the second one might've been better just because the camera wasn't just ogling Megan Fox every 30 seconds. See, I liked that when I was I mean, 19. I liked that, but it took away from the movie as a whole. Oh yeah. No, it was not the good, <laughs> it's not the like good parts of my soul that made me enjoy that. No. But I guess, you know, cause we haven't answered this question. Who's your favorite transformer? Oh, like I said, I do weirdly like Starscream. I don't know if he's my favorite. I might have to go with like Soundwave. Soundwave's popular. People, people dig him. I might have to go with Soundwave. I'm, who, who would you say is yours? I'm going to think about this a little bit more. None of them second. are from this movie. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, even Optimus Prime, who's like up there. But I, as I said, the weakness for any of the Beast Wars characters, their Megatron is kind of what I think of when I think of a cartoon villain. Mm-hmm. His Lex Luthor, especially in season two, where for some reason he had roller skates. So he would just roller skate around as either as a... T-Rex or as a robot. And in both cases, it was perfect. I, I had some major weakness for like Megatron from that era or Optimus Primal from that era. Uh, Windsword, I think is her name, is a recent Transformer that was created for the comics. It's weird. She was a fan creation or something like that. Like there was some kind of contest, but she's fucking awesome. I do have a giant soft spot for Cheetor since that was my favorite toy. I loved Cheetor as a kid. I watched, like, in college, watched the Beast Wars and went, oh, man, you're really obnoxious. But the toy was great. The The transmetal one where, like, his hand could... His hands were, like, half of his head. And the way in the cartoon that he, like, used his weapon was he would combine his hands together so it formed the cheetah head and would, like, shoot blasts out of it. Mm. I always thought that was fucking cool. Rat Trap. That's going to be my favorite one of them. A wiseacre rat. Oh, I'm all in. Bad Jersey accent. I think I'll go with like Soundwave and Cheetor. Mostly based on just aesthetics, actually. But because I don't care that much. This is a show about things we love. And I love Transformers and the fact that like it makes up a significant part of my childhood. But I was never a giant fan. Transformers falls under those things that I kind of like the idea of it more than I like the actual result. I am glad that Transformers exists. Oh, I also really like Unicron. Oh, yeah. Apparently there wasn't actually a Unicron toy until the 2000s. I believe it. Seems like it'd be a pain in the ass toy to make. He's a fucking huge and a pain in the butt. Um, I do like how much they were able to take other, like, toy lines that weren't super working. They could just move into the Transformers. Like, the Animorphs toy line fucking oh, yeah. bombed because they were terrible. 
So they just changed the head mold and put them in the Beast Wars line and they sold great? Pretty sure I had one of those Animorphs toys. Oh, they were awful. They're Look them up if you haven't. They are a horror show. I mean, Animorphs is where I first know Sean Ashmore from. Oh my God, you're right. I forget about that. Um, <laughs> uh, also, Battle Planets or War Planets or something like that, I think, eventually got moved into there. The idea was there were different planets that were robots or you can move around or something. I don't know. <laughs> I never saw much of the cartoon. It was a flop. Yeah. The idea was cool, but eh. But yes, really it's kind of when I think of Transformers, I think of my my deep-seated love-hate relationship with cartoons designed to sell toys. Yeah. That's fair. That's super fair. Um it sounds like we're kind of over talking about Transformers. Oh, I'm real done. What do we have for recommendations? Ironically, mine is the Transformers stuff. Yeah, give me, give it. <laughs> um, give me the more Transformers. It is uh, anything IDW Comics has published of the Transformers because they went, this is a ridiculous line that people took too seriously. Let's play with that. Let's do moral arcs and questions. They did a huge, the longest running single Transformers storyline. It went for like 10 to 13 years from when they got the license around 2007 to 2019, when they ended the entire storyline and rebooted all of their Transformers comics. Uh, that one's really hard to find, and it's a little intimidating because there's so much. And it's not just one Transformers series that ran for fucking 10 years. It's four Transformers series, sometimes running concurrently, and then these mini-series, and then this one ends and is replaced with this one, and some of the cast comes in. So maybe not that one as much, but the reboot, uh, which I am reading right now, is actually quite good. And again, does a lot to deal with not just these guys are the bad guys, but like, let's give them real points. Megatron's a douche, but he it doesn't mean he doesn't have a point. Uh, the first collection is in a hardback called The World in Your Eyes, which I'll put as my recommendation. One, it's a very pretty hardback, and I am a sucker for a very pretty hardback book. And two, it's fun. It's dumb. It's but that's, <laughs> As we've covered, that's half the point. Nice. The more I think about my recommendation, the more I think that I might, it might have been my recommendation before but I don't care. Oh, it's going to happen because we don't record the, like we don't keep track of these. I keep intending to go back and make a list. Oh, but that requires work. I know. If somebody out there wants to go and make a list for us and email it to us, that would be super. We'll, we'll start maintaining the list. Well, yeah, we'll maintain it from there on out. But if somebody wants to do, do our work for us, yeah. if somebody wants to do the dirty work for us so that we don't mm -hmm. keep doubling up on recommendations. Wait, I figured if we recommend something twice, it just means that we really believe in it. It's true. And I believed in this enough that I bought a copy for myself this yeah, week, yeah, and that's why it's is. going to be my recommendation. Um, I just got in the, the Shout Factory Steelbook release of The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai Across the Eighth Dimension. And that's going to be my recommendation, because it's a fantastic movie. It's a hard movie to explain. Or watch sometimes. <laughs> um, if you're familiar with uh, Big Trouble in Little China... The director and writer of Buckaroo Banzai were writers on Big Trouble. That makes sense. It also has a kind of pulpy feel. Like, here's this... Buckaroo Banzai is this scientist, rock star, professor, all-around amazing human. 
I was going to say, and so, like, the film is kind of just, like, a couple days in the life of Buckaroo Banzai, who is a brain surgeon, rocket scientist, test pilot, rock star, and more. And more. Um, and kind of just, like, hero of the world. <laughs> Uh, and they don't, like I said, it's just kind of like a couple days in the life, so they don't actually take the time to explain anything other than what your characters find out while you're watching the movie. And a lot of stuff's hinted at, but it's never gone into because it's not the point of the movie. And that really kind of turns some people off and other people like me, it really draws in more because you're just like, what is this? What What is the watermelon for? It's another one that's it's got a really amazing cast. Jeff Goldblum is in this movie. Peter Weller, who's RoboCop, plays Buckaroo Banzai. Uh, you have Ellen Barkin, John Lithgow, Jeff Goldblum, Christopher, John was on there. Christopher Lloyd, Clancy Brown, a few really well-known uh, character actors like Dan Hedaya and stuff. But That's, yeah. It's weird, and I want to do an episode on it. It's yeah, that's all. That's it's fucking strange. It's good though. I enjoy it. Even the people that made the movie didn't know how to market it. They famously went to their actors and asked them how they would market it. And they're like, I don't fucking know, I'm not a marketer. <laughs> the end credit scene, I have just loaded up to watch on its own, and there nothing that amazing happens in it, but it's like possibly the best end credits ever made. It's fantastic. Weird, funny movie <laughs> just like i said a day in the life of the most buckaroo interesting Banzai. guy there was supposed to be a sequel there was supposed to be a buckaroo, tv series at some yeah, point buckaroo bonsai versus the world crime league oh that name is so good that it needs to happen and yet who knows we were talking about it before the show there's like legal things that are going on and not even bad legal things, just like nobody knows who actually owns the rights to it. So We can't figure out who owned this, so you need to tell us. And that judge is like, son of a bitch. Pretty much. <laughs> uh, yeah, there we go. Buckaroo Banzai. And I'm done with recommendations, so I should probably tell you guys to hit subscribe however yeah, you're listening to this us is right your, uh, this, this is your ball field. Ball field? I, you built it. I will come. Oh. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now if you could rate and review however you're listening to us right now that would be super cool because the world is ran on algorithms and we want to be all up in those algorithms get more people listening to our nerdy talk you guys could also like be like yo friends listen to this we That'd appreciate cool. that you can go check out our website www.generalnerdcast.com Listen to our entire back catalog there or contact us through the website or by emailing us uh, generalnerderypod at gmail.com. While you're at the website, if you click the links up at the top, we are part of the Earvern Podcast Network. Go check out other shows over on the network. Listen to me talk about horror movies over on Fried Squirms. Zach? You can listen to me and my buddy Malark talk about war and war gaming and war treatises over on The Art of War Gaming. And more things to come. We've already previewed one. We're we're working. On we're stuff. working on it. We're all just getting through right now. We're we're getting through. <laughs> Find us over on all the social media. Search for us, General Nerdery, across everything. We should be what pops up. We love you. I feel like I'm missing something still, but whatever. In the meantime, we're your generals <laughs> of nerdery. I'm Zach. I'm Tyler. Dismissed. Dismissed.